I still hate poetry. And I still love poetry. Talking about that, Charlie, have you still got that rash? The Flaw in Paganism by Dorothy Parker. Drink and dance and laugh and lie. Love the reeling midnight through. For tomorrow we shall die. But alas, we never do. We are back, baby. We are. We are back. Welcome to uh, I Hate Poetry, if you're new. This is a comedy poetry podcast hosted mm-hmm. by me, Dylan J. Kershaw, and... Me, Charlie Pidcock. I have, um, actually, while we've been on a little break um, mm. from recording, oh, yeah. I have been listening to our competitors, to our other poetry podcasts, right? Oh, okay. I've got to say, I'm not impressed, to be honest. We're not... Oh, really? Yeah, the competition is... I don't know, mate. They all sort of talk like this when they read poetry, Charlie. It's very calm. Like this. Really pretentious. Oh, gosh. Yes. That's that's giving me weird, like, ASMR feelings. Oh, that's no. (laughs) It is a bit, isn't it? I hate that. I hate ASMR. (laughs) Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just like, it's too relaxing. Like, you Mm. know, poetry's meant to be a bit intense sometimes, isn't it? Yeah, it is, definitely. I think some of my favourite poetry is intense. And I think some of the poetry we're going to read today is going to be intense as well. So Interesting. Mm. Well, we don't want to obviously, you know, destroy all of our options. So if you want I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> if you have a poetry podcast, you want to get us on it, you know, don't don't be discouraged. Um <laughs> we, w- we would love to come and yeah, be on, be sure. on there. <laughs> we would love to come on your podcast. Right, what's our first poem today, Charlie? Okay, so our first poem today is called A Poison Tree and it's by William Blake. So I've got, I've got a little bit of a fact file about William Blake before we start. So We've already had a poem from William Blake. We have. Ba- Blake. <laughs> we have. So we had, it was our Battle of the Willies episode between yes. William Wordsworth and William Blake. So we didn't really do a fact file on him that time. So basically William Blake, he was, uh, he's born in 1757 and lived until 1827. Uh, so, you know, sort of just pre-Victorian sort of era. Yeah. He was an English poet, a painter, and a printmaker. Um, And he was largely unrecognised during his life. Uh, But now he's considered a seminal figure in the history of poetry and visual art of the Romantic Age. So he's a pretty big deal nowadays. Um, So he lived in London for almost his entire life. He didn't really go many other places. Why would you need to? Exactly. Well, that's it. London, you know, everyone seems to be moving to yeah. London these days, including you. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> uh, he was considered mad by many of his contemporaries. He had uh, lots of individual opinions and views um, and was largely unrecognised by his peers and friends. Um, however, again, as I said, he's, he's held in high regard within the poetry uh, community and later critics for his grand expressiveness and creativity. So he was a pre-romantic. So he talked about romanticism being about big emotions and yeah. sort of uh, grand themes and things that transcend. And so he sort of was just before then, but carried a lot of the things forward into romanticism that we now know as romanticism. I'm scared to ask because it's the Victorian era, but um, yeah, what were his views and opinions? <laughs> uh, so... He was a committed Christian. However, he wasn't a fan of the Church of England. He was very anti-establishment. And he was very inspired by the ideals of the French and American revolutions. So sort of enlightenment thinking. He was an enlightenment thinker. 
uh, what seeking the truth, seeking happiness. Okay, anti-establishment. That's not too bad. I mean, that's mm. your average poet, isn't it? Really? <laughs> yeah, it is exactly. Yeah, he is cool. very, very typical of uh, right. po- poet poets nowadays, perhaps. So this poem is called "A Poison Tree" by William Blake. I was angry with my friend. I told my wrath, and my wrath did end. I was angry with my foe. I told it not, my wrath did grow, and I watered it in fears, night and morning with my tears, and I sunned it with smiles and with soft, deceitful wiles, and it grew both day and night till it bore an apple bright, and my foe beheld it shine, and he knew that it was mine, and into my garden stole when the night had veiled the pole. In the morning, glad I see my foe outstretched beneath the tree. Mm. Mm. So it's a pretty dark poem, isn't it? Really, it, it is. Yeah, it is. It's like um, it reminds me of like you know one of those like dark meanings behind like those Disney films. You only realise mm. as an adult how dark those Disney films are. Oh yeah, and I feel like it's obviously you know the poison tree, the poison apple from Snow White. That's the kind of imagery I have. I mean, that film is literally about a stepmother plotting to assassinate her stepdaughter. And yeah. everyone's focused on whether the dwarves are offensive or not. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. it's, it's crazy mm-hmm. that these kind of storylines is what we give to children. I, I kind of like the simplicity as well. Like, mm. you know, we talk about the poison tree. We do, like, these things are very sort of, the themes are simplistic. Yes. So... It, it does ease in kids, doesn't it, and families into, mm-hmm. into these dark things. Um, mm. Sorry, go on. What were you saying? No, I was just going to say, yeah, you know, his, the, the, that's the thing with William Blake with his, it's a simple message, yeah. but it's actually something that transcends. It's mm-hmm. like we talked about those sort of transcendent themes, you know, envy and hate and uh, holding grudges are, I mean, this poem is still relevant today massively, right? It, it's in terms of we still feel this way sometimes yeah. there's people that we might not like in our lives or that we think oh, I want my revenge sort of yeah. thing you know and I, I, I like <laughs> the built up of hatred in this because it's like he's treating it like he's a plant like watering mm. it and you know the yeah. night the morning the sun you know that kind of it takes time to grow that hatred you know what I mean mm, definitely that's the real hatred, isn't it? When it not, you know, when you see something, you go, ah, oh, they're annoying me. And it's like instant. Yeah. It's not yes. actually hatred, is it? Because no. it's in that moment. But it's when it's built up, do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's built up rage and hatred. It's hard to counter. It is, exactly. And I think what's, what I love about this poem is that you're not actually sure if the foe knows. Like, you, yeah. like so he says, I was angry with my friend. I told my wrath, my wrath did end. So that's like, you know, if like, I annoyed you, you'd come to me and say, hey, this, this annoyed me. And I go, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, mate. And then we'd sort of sort it out, right? And yeah. then it's gone. But yeah. with this person, like he's not even ta- told this person about it. This person yes. doesn't even know. Like if you think of this, if you twist this poem on its head, yeah. it's almost quite predatory. Like he's poisoned, met- maybe metaphorically, but he's poisoned his next door neighbor or something. He's been looking into his garden. Maybe this person has been envious of him. I don't know, because he's trying to steal his apples from his tree. But mm. then in the end, he's... He's been killed by it. That's it's yeah. quite predatory. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And I, I like that that transition at the start between when he goes from his friend to his foe. But mm. the kind of idea, it's also almost crazy and psychological that you've yes. got this built-up hatred and they don't even know. They're saying hi to you like if you were, you know, the next-door mm-hmm. neighbour. Like they don't know anything else apart from that. And um, it's 
I think that's when it turns into crazy. And also you can yes. turn yourself into like, it's weird how you can tell yourself things to actually make you hate that person more. If it's literally just you, it's, mm. you know what I mean? You can go down a massive rabbit hole. Yeah, definitely. And like, you, if you keep things in your head and you don't speak them out loud, yeah. you never know if they're crazy. Like I, I definitely, definitely have times where I just go, Hey Emma, I'm feeling this or I'm thinking this, or she'll say that to me and yeah. we'll just tell each other, Hey, that's a bit crazy or like that, yeah. that's not, or that's not true. Or, yeah. and you, yeah. you need that person. You need to talk it out and go, yeah. Oh, actually yeah. that's just, I'm just having an off day. I'm feeling, I'm having a bad day. Exactly. <laughs> Whereas here, like you say, you could almost, this could be like a, an Apple TV series or like a Netflix series of like yeah. some psycho, psychopathical killer type yeah. thing. Absolutely. I actually like the title of this poem as well. It's not often I say that on this show, but mm, um, know, yeah. the poison tree is great because, um, yeah, it's like referring to like, also like, you know, the apple of Eden and the garden, that yeah. kind of thing as well. Come on, you getting this poetry thing yeah, done. Yeah, man. <laughs> I know. I've gone away and, uh, and yeah, I haven't read much poetry, to be honest, on our break. I'll, oh, really? Uh, I've only listened to those shows mm. because I've been very busy with a new job in London. But yes, I, I'm, I'm excited to get back into it. I never thought I'd say that. Yeah, me neither. That's... We've made, maybe we've made progress <laughs> maybe maybe cool yeah. well I enjoyed that one mm, it's great I, I really like it I um, think I remember enjoying William Blake's last poem as well yes again he's talking the last one we looked at was about how there was so much corruption in London yes. and how he, he loves the city so much but he hates to see people dying and people going hungry yeah. so you can see the sort of man that he is he's very passionate what's our next poem our next poem again another uh, poet who was similar similar period really um, a guy called John Keats um, okay and he was around from 1795 to 1821 so he didn't have a very long life at all really no he was an English poet of the second generation of romantic poets uh, so he was friends with Lord Byron and Percy B Shelley so like you know the big hitters right he's friends yeah. with these guys his poems uh, had been published for less than four years when when he died of tuberculosis at 25 so really young you know live you know burned out bright but burned short yeah. unfortunately yeah um his poems didn't really acclaim much he didn't get much acclaim for his poetry in his lifetime however his notoriety grew rapidly after his passing as with all things you know when people die it they, they become popular so within a within a hundred years of his death he was placed in the canon of english literature um, nice. And his poems and letters are still highly popular and often studied in English literature courses all over the country and all over the world. His style was heavily loaded with sensualities um, and he really liked odes. So he'd write a lot of odes. He has a whole series of them. He, again, typically, like the Romantics, similar to William Blake, he raised extreme emotion through natural imagery. So in William Blake, we had the poison tree, like lots yeah. of natural imagery. Well, Keats, John Keats did the same thing with his. So perhaps we might see some of that in this poem as well. So this poem is called When I Have Fears That I May Cease To Be by John Keats, which I think is quite appropriate considering he died young. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, it's pretty <laughs> ironic. So when I have fears that I may cease to be before my pen has gleaned my teeming brain, before high piled books in character hold like rich garners the full ripened grain. When I behold upon the night's starred face huge cloudy symbols of a high romance, and think that I may never live to trace their shadows with the magic hand of chance. 
And when I feel, fair creature of an hour, that I shall never look upon thee more, never have relish in the fairy power of unreflecting love, then on the shore of the wide world I stand alone and think, till love and fame to nothingness do sink. Cease to be is such a horrible way of saying death, isn't it? It like, is. Like, that's a whole new way of describing death. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I may cease to be. Yeah. And like yeah, the, it's not the, nice, is it? No, not at all. Like, being is what we do all the yeah. time. And when we cease exactly. to be, oh gosh, yeah, that, it is a bit technical and a bit sort of horrifying. It is, absolutely. So what, there's a few bits I don't understand in yeah. this poem. Sure, go Just visually. Yeah. He's using weird accents on letters and all that yes. kind of thing. Is, there's yeah. a few words I don't really understand. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the thing I don't understand is when he talks about high romance. Is it like a whirlwind romance fueled by marijuana what's he talking about <laughs> uh yeah so i mean romance at that time obviously had different connotations like we we think of high romance as sort of love right and sort of romantic love um but the thing is that romantic back then was just being coined and really what it means is sort of um big gestures and high imagery so he's talking yeah. about huge cloudy symbols of high romance. He's talking about poetry. He's talking right. about, you know, I'll never, if, if I cease to be, what if I, I die too soon and I never actually get to sort of become the perfect romantic poet where I'm spouting all these beautiful words about mm. nature and how grand it is and how heavenly it is. It was, you know, yeah. sort of these high and natural sounding metaphors that he wants to make. He's... He's talking about poetry. He's talking about like huge cloudy symbols, right? Like, well, clouds are romantic because sometimes yeah. when you look into the sky, clouds are huge and they sort of overawe you and they, they speak of something heavenly. They speak of something skyward. So this was like a trend, really. I mean, it, we, yes. romant we romanticize, like, you know, Greek mythology as well, don't mm. we? Zeus and the gods yes. and all that kind of thing. Yeah. So I don't think that's stopped in a way, has it? No, a lot of poetry, like it's, it, again, it's romantic poetry is, is that that is high and lofty and big ideas, yeah. big themes. And, and that sort of links to romance, I suppose, because romance, when you're romancing someone, it is big mm -hmm. gestures, isn't it? It's like... Yeah. How can I woo you in a really big, amazing way that's going to have yeah. a big effect on you? And the romantics, they wanted their poetry to have a big effect on people with their... Exactly. Well, yeah, with their sort of out there metaphors and nature similes and things like that. So, when really it's the little things, isn't it, Charlie, that people appreciate? Yes. Rather than the is. big spectacular things, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Like the big spectacular things don't work if you don't have the day-to-day... Exactly. Like little things together. If you're a if you're a, a, a bit of an an ass every day, you know, yeah. like yeah. you. But then, oh, I don't know. Once every few months, you do a big romantic holiday or something. It's like, well, that's not actually going to serve your relationship very well because you're you're horrible most of the time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. This person, John Keats, seems yes. to sort of write it in first person. He sort mm. of I sort of feel like he's afraid of death. Right. That's. Mm. That's what the poem's about. Yes. Are definitely. you afraid of death, Charlie? <laughs> um, yes and no. I, I, I'm afraid of death to the extent that I enjoy my life here on Earth and I don't really yeah. want it to stop. Yeah. Um, yeah. And this has gotten really deep. But yeah. <laughs> but, but it's a scary question, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it really is. And I think 
you know, here, I mean, death, what a, what bigger topic is there than death, yeah. right? And yeah. w- one of my lecturers at university would always, they'd always say, you know, literature and poetry is always about three things. It's always about, um, it's about sex, suffering and death. And that's yeah. the, the three themes that most people write about because they're the big themes that transcend time and we all experience. So, um, yeah. Well, maybe some of us don't experience the sex bit, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, taking out the sort of literal sense mm. of it being about death. Yes. I kind of, it sort of reminds me of that sort of process of having a really good, like, creative idea mm. and then trying your best not to, like, let it die or forget it. Yes. Have you ever had that where yeah, you're, definitely. like, in a place, yeah. either in the car or somewhere, where you can't actually write it down? Yeah. And you're, like, panicking because you're, like, what if I forget this? This oh, is yeah. amazing. Yeah. This is my life's work. You know what I mean? Like, it. Yeah, definitely. I have that with songs because if you get a melody in your head, you want to record yeah. it immediately. So you have it. And yeah. even if later you're listening to it and you're like, oh, actually, this is rubbish. But it's such a shame this John Keats guy died so early. It is. Um, and his fears came true. Apparently. Yeah. But thank God his work didn't cease to exist. Exactly. Eh? Yeah. Because now he's like one of the most popular poets. So, yeah. yeah. I still think it doesn't matter if you're dead, though. You're still dead. No, yeah. Like, you know, what yeah. we talk about like Emily Dickinson, all these people that get famous after they, you know, yeah, after they've uh, died. lived. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, doesn't matter. Like, they're dead. Like, that's the worst bit. And I think that's the romantic bit about yes. poetry. Yeah. Is that it, it, it leaves the legacy. But I agree. And, and I think as well, like, you know, um, poetry often try, is trying to give you an idea of the poet or, or seems yeah. to be. And so, like, you know, you're talking about the Emily Dickinson TV show that you're watching. It, it then allows us to create them in our image. Right. You like yeah. we actually don't know what Emily Dickinson was like. We don't really know what John True. Keats was like. We have never met him. But in our heads, we can imagine him and we can think or, or imagine her and think they, are, you know, they must be this grand person when really yeah. like they could have just been like really normal people. Like, yeah, absolutely. Know, and, and, but it allows us to put that sort of superhero ification mm-hmm. on them. If you like. Yeah, um, absolutely. Absolutely. I do. I don't mind a bit of polishing there. Like it, I feel like, yeah. sorry, if I died, right. Yes. And, yeah. um, I'd been this great comedy writer or director or whatever I've done. Mm. Um, and I've done a few things and people are like, let's do a film about this guy's life. Mm-hmm. And they completely polished it and made me look way better than I did at that <laughs> point. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I would, I'd, I'd be fine with that. I think there's a, oh, yeah. Yeah, there's yeah. a few patches to go over. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. No, I, 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 I agree. Like you want the best side of you shown, don't you? Yeah. And like, I think yeah. everyone, I think everyone wants that. It's also dignity after death and that kind of thing, you know? Yeah, it is. Yeah, you know, you don't speak ill of the dead. There's all that sort of exactly. thing. The one thing that I, I just want to comment on um, yeah. about this poem is that it's, it's at heart of it, it's a love poem. Because yeah. at the end he says... Uh, and Wait, I think, is it? Yeah. So let's, let me read the second half again. It says, And think that I may never live to trace their shadows with the magic hand of chance. And when I feel fair, creature of an hour that I shall never look upon thee more, never have relish in the fairy power of unreflecting love. 
than on the shore of the wide world I stand alone and think till love and fame to nothingness sink. So part of it in the middle there says, when I feel fair creature of an hour, when I'm feeling giddy, when I'm feeling happy, that I shall never look upon thee more. So he's he's talking about someone. He's saying like, I I love it when I feel I'm with you and and we're happy together and I get to look at you and feel really happy. But I, I will. What it, like? If I die, I'll never get to relish in the fairy power of unreflecting love. I will never get to. Right. I'll never get to have that with love with you anymore. If I die, that's cute. I was wondering what fair creature of an hour meant, and that's yes. a really great way. Because I've been trying to find ways to tell my girlfriend I'm horny in different ways, and I think <laughs> I'm going to use that one now. I'm a fair creature of an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think it could be two ways. It could be saying he is, or it could be telling her that she's a fair creature. Right. He's, okay. He's, he's he's complimenting a woman. It might not even be actually a woman he's he's in yeah. you know in a relationship with because he says that the power of unreflecting love. So meaning that is potentially one, one way. way. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. he so he and and it could also be again. I might be reading too much into it. It might just be nature he's talking about the love of. Yeah beauty of nature like i think it might be the whole i don't think you can get away with calling a woman a creature even if it's a compliment charlie yeah trust me. i mean i guess back, <laughs> this is back in the day when when they did you know it's sort of that whole stereotype thing of oh women are another species sort of um yeah right okay, so you can see yeah. you know oh what a fair creature she is that would that would be yeah. a that was like today when we think creature we think like gremlins and stuff don't we but um <laughs> but back then a creature is just like a being uh Right. Okay. You know, and and also, if you say creature, it makes them mystical. It makes them yeah. feel like otherworldly. And and women, yeah. there was this other. Oh, they were just stunning and beautiful, and oh, they were angels. Sort of. <laughs> you know, it's that sort of sort of vibe, I guess. I see. Yeah. yeah. I think you should use sexy beast. Beast is a better word. I That's think. it. Fair creature, sexy beast. They mean the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Well, I did. Um, I did sort of enjoy this. Um, just wondering, yes. was John Keats famous? already when he wrote this poem or was was it afterwards again uh, it was after he died so he didn't receive much acclaim in his lifetime right but even though he was he hanging died. out with the big boys like you know lord yeah. byron and the rest of it oh yeah yeah i mean because he was you know lord byron and percy b shelley like mary shelley was like with them yeah. they were all, there's that of course. whole you know, they were the A team. Exactly, they were. They were the A team of romantic yeah. poets and romantic writers. It's that time, isn't it? It is. It's Dylan's <laughs> poem. It's Dylan's poem. It's Dylan's poem time, Bob. I, I like that. Let, let, let's not change that theme. I do like it. <laughs> right. So uh, I wrote this again. I wrote a load of poems over our break. So um, okay, awesome. Yeah, they've kind of unfiltered. Uh, this is called New Horizons. Okay, nice. Like it. It sounds a bit like an album cover, but let's just go with it. (laughs) Not using tinfoil on a baking tray is like having sex without a condom. Messy. Where has the space gone? I'm wearing boxes. Impatience. Exploring the garden. Let's get a gnome. Quirky. Whose territory is this? Mine or yours? Excitement. It's better than that one that you uh, sent to me me and Jack that was like, in the club. <laughs> uh, you never live that I'll never live that down, will I? No, no, he's um, gonna he's gonna bring that back every time. Okay. <laughs> okay, let's just have a look. So I, I understood the first bit. Okay. Yeah. And 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 I generally agree. Um <laughs> it's I, 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 I yeah, tinfoil or parchment. It depends what sort of pan you've got as well. Like I hate like getting bacon stuck to the pan or whatever. So yeah, like, yeah, I just yeah. want it to come out easily and I don't destroy my pans. There's nothing worse, isn't there, when you've spilled 
juice all over, uh, you know, inside the tinfoil. That was the point of putting the tinfoil there. Mm. Like, it's just a mess, right? Yeah. So, boxes. Did you mean to say boxes or boxers? See, uh, so is it, is not it... boxers, not boxers for our American like audience. Boxer shorts, uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, no, not them. Um, so, like, more, it's sort of more metaphorical. Okay, okay. Okay, so New Horizons. So, it, it's... You know, I can see like there's like the exploring new places. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, the not using tin foil on a baking tray is like having sex without a condom, messy. Like, so often New Horizons and exploration is messy. So, like, mm-hmm. new, new ventures can be messy. I know moving house, as we have this past year, has like, yeah, it's been very messy. Like, yeah. we, we've lived for the, you know, for the first few weeks of us living here, we were living here with just boxes everywhere. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I guess maybe, maybe it could be about, like, you moving down to sort of London and stuff, or... <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, um, I also included a theme in there, which I don't know if you'll get. Okay. It's, a, it's like house things. It, it, yeah, so you've got boxes, you've got tinfoil. Yeah. Gnomes. There's something else, though. Oh, I, is... I, I think it might be too... Is it a cat? Too niche. No, no, it's not a cat. <laughs> I'm just thinking of the territory bit. They mark their territory and stuff, and like yeah, that's a bit that's a bit cat like. I've got mm-hmm. to admit, yeah, because our cat was rubbing her face over everything when we moved in. <laughs> okay, I'll, okay, I'll give it away. I am baffled. So, yeah. Okay, so obviously you're right. It yeah. is about moving house, mm-hmm. right? You're wearing. You're right about that. Um, the territory bit. Um, one part of that meaning is, you know, when you're deciding with your partner or wife which mm-hmm. rooms you you could turn into, and yeah. like. Is that mine or is that yours? You know, different items and stuff. The the sort of theme that I tried to go for was actually, you're right, exploration, yeah. but sort of almost like a space mission because I use a sort of okay. a few spacey words like yeah. tinfoil. Got it. Space, obviously. Where's the space gone? Ah. Exploring. Territory. Yeah. Okay. Um, so to me, moving back to London, which is what this poem is about, Mm-hmm. is almost like going to outer space okay. because it's a move that's quite dangerous mm. um, for me, uh, financially, obviously, because London's <laughs> fucking expensive. Yes. But also <laughs> it is a bit of a risk because um, I know this is stupidly technical, mm. but I just, I just signed a 12-month tenancy agreement on a quite expensive place. Yeah. So that to me is like major commitment, yes. obviously. Yeah, yeah. And it's a bit like, well, if I... If, if, if I lose this new job or, you know, those stupid worries that you have. Yes. It's kind of like, I'm going to, I'm really just, I'm going for this. I'm deep diving into it. Mm. There's no, there's no going back. You know, yes. if I suffocate in space, I'm dead. You know, <laughs> I, I think I, I appreciate this now more now. Like I, I do like the, where has the space gone? I'm wearing boxes. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. But you're saying there's boxes everywhere. Basically like, I'm wearing yes. boxes. Like yes. I, I totally, I like that. I think that's really cool. Um, yeah. I, I think I just straight away, because you talked about sex in the previous line, like, mm. but I'm wearing boxes. I was like, oh, is this like, seems like you're like sort of impatient to have sex with someone. Because <laughs> it's like, well, you or know, using a box. like exploring impatience, exploring <laughs> yeah. the garden, like, you know, the, yeah, yeah, the garden. Yeah, yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> whose, whose territory is this mine? Like, it's, it's actually quite a sensual poem in a way. So that's why yeah. I was sort of like, I felt like it might have had some sort of sexual thing, but I was like, is that just my like mind just going somewhere it's not supposed to go? 
<laughs> I think this is why my style of poetry is making the first line somewhat sexual. So yes. it throws you off the rest of it. That's it. You've done that. You've done that quite a bit, actually. I know. Uh, I have. It's uh, a te- technique of mine. <laughs> You're like distracting with sex. That's not, no. That's <laughs> oh gosh. That's the title now, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds so, so wrong as well, Dylan. Yeah. Dylan. My love, Dylan's distracting me with sex. <laughs> no, I, I think I think this is interesting, and I. I think as well, it's one of these poems, like it's, it's, it is actually quite ambiguous yeah. um, because all the images seem to not flow on from each other. Mm. I think people could get different things out of it. I was going to, I was going to add a bit about territory. You know how the Americans put the American flag on the moon. Yes. And that actually kind of pissed me off like okay. recently in a weird way. I, I did, like sometimes, you know, when you're kids and you sort of read about history and it sort mm-hmm. of goes in, you don't think about it. It's just stuff you know. Yeah. And I was thinking about it a few months ago and going, how fucking egotistical was that, though? <laughs> I mean, we, we succeeded to get on the moon. Mm. And that, that was an accomplishment by civilization, by yeah. humans itself. Yeah. Um, and the Americans just gone, well, it's actually us. So we're going to put the flag there. Yeah. And um, this is, goes back to the, you know, recently they've developed an earth flag and all that kind of stuff for more um, yes. uh, uniting experiences when it comes to space, which I think is a great idea mm. because yeah, yeah. we're not fucking American. We're, we're, you know, there's so many nationalities mm-hmm. um, in the it? world. There's so many other nationalities that were in the yeah. rooms at NASA, like on all yeah. the computers, helping them exactly. get there. And exactly. if the Russians hadn't have, you know, the Cold War hadn't been happening and the exactly. space race, like yeah. America might never have gotten to the moon because there was no rival Dummy. to beat, right? Yeah. Um, so, Although um, I'm not just pissed off America because any other country would have done it as well. Yeah. I'm sure the uh, Russians would have put their flag. Oh, definitely. Yeah, because then it's like, you know, Russia... Russia is the big power, yeah. aren't they? They're, we're the big dogs, and it just. Although it would be funny if they left the Soviet Union flag in, and we wouldn't be able to take it <laughs> and off. And then they collapsed. <laughs> yeah, I know. yeah, ignore that. <laughs> um, cool. Oh. Well, uh, thank you very much for listening. Mm, uh, you can is. view all the poems on IHatePoetry.co.uk. Yes, you can indeed. Um, and we're on Instagram at IHatePoetry, uh, and you can find us. On Facebook as well, under that link. And we're on TikTok yeah. now as well. Is that a thing? Probably. Okay. Probably. We probably are. I, 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 I Hate Poetry podcast. I think that's the one. Oh, I see. I Hate Poetry. Yep. Sorry. Getting it? Getting my own no problem. stings wrong. No problem. Sorry. <laughs> it's all good. 